Ford once said, coming together is a beginning, staying together is progress, and working together is success. Hello everyone and welcome to Nerdy Optometrist, a podcast channel for all things optometry, and this is your host, Ukti Vora. Today, I don't have one, but two incredible guests to give us amazing insights about a resolution which has just been passed by UN. I would like to introduce our first guest, Dr. Jamie Anderson. With 16 years of experience as an optometrist, Dr. Jamie Anderson currently practices optometry in both Oregon and Colorado. In addition to her professional role, she is deeply dedicated to her work with Global Vision Care. During the four years, Jamie has been working with one site. She has participated in 15 short-term charitable vision clinics around the world, providing comprehensive eye exams and glasses to those who couldn't otherwise have access. Additionally, Jamie has traveled to multiple one-site sustainable vision centers globally to offer her expertise as these centers work to provide permanent access to vision care in areas that they lack in. Jamie earned her doctorate of optometry from Pacific University and has her postdoctoral fellowship with the College of Optometrists and Vision Development. She resides in Oceanside, Oregon with her husband and two children. Thank you so, so much, Dr. Jamie, for your time and a warm welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. And we have a guest who is coming second time in a row for this podcast, Dr. Jude Stern. You can check out her podcast, her previous podcast, if you've missed, which talks about public health services and global impact. I know you don't need an introduction because most of you must have heard her podcast previously, but those who are listening it for the first time, uh, I would like to introduce her. She's the head of knowledge management with International Agency for the Prevention of Blindness, IAPB. Jude is a global educator and knowledge broker with extensive experience working at the intersection of global eye health and international development. She works collaboratively with a diverse range of IAPB members and partners, felicitating shared knowledge, building collaboration, and a shared sense of purpose. At IAPB, Jude is responsible for the delivery of the Vision Atlas, a global mapping of vision and eye care needs, learning programs such as COVID-19 and eye health web series. If you haven't checked out the, the Vision Atlas, I highly recommend all of you to do that because I have seen it and it's incredible with the information that she brings on in it. Jude is a committee member of Public Health of, of the World Council of Optometry, a steering committee member for the Sector Skills Update Project at the Research for Development Impact Network, a steering committee member for RAAB7, editorial committee for the Community Eye Health Journal, and on the DR Barometer Committee. Jude is an optometrist that holds a graduate certificate in public health. She has a special interest in developing leadership skills in eye health sector, myopia management, and gender equity. She's an advocate for equitable access to eye care for all and a potential for good vision to unlock human potential. Thank you so much, both of you, for your time and a warm welcome to this podcast. Thanks, it's such a pleasure to be here. I would like to understand a little bit about your journey pre and post COVID. I know you all were mainly working in like public health sector. How has the shift happened in that zone? I would like to go ahead to have Dr. Jamie to you know, start and share how has your pre and post COVID period been at work? Uh, probably very similar to uh, everyone else's experience. Um, first there was panic 
everything kind of shut down. And then we slowly started to decide, okay, these are the protocols we need to follow. These are the safety measures. This is the social distancing. These are the number of patients that we can see per day. Um, and so we kind of implemented all of that very strict at first. And I feel like we stayed strict, but we learned um, things that allowed the flow to get back to closer to normal and the safety protocols that need to stay in place for, for probably, forever. possibly forever. forever. Uh -huh. I think, I think the healthcare industry has changed forever. Um, and so now we're, 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 you know, back up to hundred percent capacity. We see patients, um, on a very quick basis, but we still do all the sanitizing. We still wear masks. Um, so we're fairly back to normal, um, just with, with new, new thing, new, um, safety measures in place. Sounds good. How about you, Julie? How has things been on your end? with IAPB and all the work. Yeah, I guess I'm a little bit different because I don't work in a clinic um, and so I haven't had to face those hurdles personally. And I was working remotely before the pandemic hit. So <laughs> a lot of things that are, you know, similar. But in terms of what we do at IAPB, you know, um, we have to learn new ways to communicate. So both in um, sharing and connecting as a global community, which we would traditionally do through a global assembly, which we missed last year, um, or uh, council of members meetings, we can't do those at the moment. Um, so trying to learn how to do that online. Similarly with advocacy, the UN resolution is a good example. You know, what would have been face-to-face -face meetings turned online and how do you engage <clears throat> that way uh, virtually when everyone's flooded with virtual meetings, how do we <laughs> make them a little bit different and people want to join? Um, we're also very much trying to look at, understand the impact of eye care services globally, the backlog that's been created, the gap in research we probably have over a year and gap in training programs and um, try and connect the community there to see how we may need to advocate or share knowledge or connect to address some of those issues that are going to face us going forward um, across, across the world. And it's quite remarkable mm -hmm. to have something that's, you know, not uniform, but affecting everybody across the world in very similar ways. Right. So, yeah, I mean, um, also in the, in regards to one site's global, I, I kind of mentioned my own personal experience, but as far as one site mm -hmm. changes that have happened, uh, it, along with everything that you're saying, we had to completely reevaluate, um, innovate how we do vision care globally. Um, we used to see hundreds of patients in a day very crowded conditions, very, you know, 50 person teams. Um, and so now we've kind of, we had some time off from, from actual vision care. And so now we've revamped everything again with the safety measures. We started uh, our first, um, our first team, our first uh, clinic back was in New York in October. And so it was very quiet. So we tried to see what would work, what wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. And website's been amazingly innovative in how, um, we're still able to, able to see patients, still able to offer glasses because you, like you said, Dr. Jude, the need is so vast and, and to not be able to give any eye care just wasn't, we couldn't swallow that. So <laughs> one side is coming up with new ways to create more sustainable vision clinics and still to do the charitable clinics, but just, just as safe as we possibly can. Right. I, 
I think everyone has changed the way they think and process in terms of offering not just vision care, but healthcare in general. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the, the worst circumstances often bring out, you know, some, some of the best innovations or thinking. And, you know, we've been trying to work towards sustainable development for a long time. Uh, and this has forced a lot of us mm-hmm. to stop flying around the world or uh, whatever and look at local development really in a whole different um, lens. And I think there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of, you know, hoping one site is a good example right. of the members across IAPB to start working together and sharing those innovations so that, you know, so that local services can continue and grow in a very different way to what, you know, what was being done before, yeah. which, is, which is actually exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I do work in a telehealth sector and that's actually my, my work. And I've seen like, just because of COVID, you know, uh, though we, I, I think it's, sad that we needed a pandemic to push technology to come into healthcare. But I feel that has been a good output of this whole situation that we had. There's a lot of innovation in healthcare, a lot of technology put in making sure how can we provide now service, vision care, healthcare in general remotely. And I think that was something which needed to be done maybe 10 years ago, but finally we're catching up. So I think that's that's the good side of uh, whatever is going around the world. Yeah, I agree. The pause forced us all to to innovate for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, going back directly to the topic of, you know, the the big moment which we all saw and we all were excited about was when UN adopted the first resolution on vision, which aims to help 1 billion people. When we talk about this, it didn't start really like in 2021. I did a little bit of a research and I saw that this actually was started, you know, back in 2018. It took like almost five years to come to this moment. So if you can tell me a little more about the whole process and, you know, how were you able to get this thing done and, you know, you know put vision in the forefront. Uh, Jude, if you can, you know, go ahead and take that and give us a little more glimpse on that process. Yeah. Um, thanks, Oti. So just uh, want to sort of just iterate that the UN uh, landmark resolution, Vision for Everyone, is really about accelerating action towards achieving the sustainable development goals of the United Nations. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just passed, it was passed unanimously by all 193 countries. Right. And that's something that we should note and be significant and had over, I think over hundred countries sign up um, to endorse it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the reason why I'm iterating that is because I think the process and the people that have driven it and supported it both within the UN and from the UN Friends of Vision side were fundamental to making it such a success. Mm-hmm. You don't always get that. Um, so as you said, it started in 2018 technically at the UN, whereas I think there was a, several more years before that um, in you know ideas and thoughts and how do we go about this. Um, but they established the Friends of Vision group, uh, the UN Friends of Vision group, um, to advance the issue of eye health within the context of the SDGs and to raise the profile on the international agenda and share knowledge from the sector among member states. At that time, you know, a resolution was a pipe dream. It was just to get eyes into the UN, which has hadn't been done before. before. Um, yeah, the UN Friends of Vision has grown to a group um, which consists of country representatives, including the ambassador level from over 50 countries. <clears throat> Um, we have three fantastic chairs. Uh, the first chair was Ambassador Aubrey Webson from Antigua and Barbuda. And then um, we've had Ambassador Rabab 
Fatima from Bangladesh and Ambassador Bern Nassan from Ireland join as well um, and supported by an active secretariat, which IAPP chairs that includes one site, Fred Hollows Foundation, Sight Savers, Vision Spring, Vision Council of America and CBM. And it's important to mention all of this because none of the process that you talk about getting there could be done without the group, the chairs and the um, institutions that are supporting it. You know, steps in the UN is is really interesting. You know, it's a range of awareness raising events, uh, making sure that we're presenting the evidence um, properly and in a format that is relatable to the um, ambassadors mm -hmm. and the country uh, country representatives, um, and then engaging in high level political forums and negotiations. Um, there was an awareness raising event back in 2019 in person before everything <laughs> closed down. One site was a, the critical partner in, in um, and I can let Jamie talk more about, um, in doing vision screening mm -hmm. for the UN staff and ambassadors. Um, sadly, the following World Site Day in 2020, we had to do online, but we still had attendance around 400 people. Um, and that's where it was introduced that we would have plans for a resolution. Mm -hmm. um, and about six months ago, I was really privileged to be part of um, launching the IAPB Vision Atlas and the Lancet Global Health Commission on Global Eye Health, uh, which really for the first time both framed eye health needs in um, an SDG context. Mm -hmm. So uh, presenting the fact that we have 1.1 billion people with vision loss, 90% is avoidable, 90% in low and middle yeah. income countries. You know, it was really important to make the links between um, several of the sustainable development goals. Um, and then, yeah, then there was the high level political event on SDG 8 and ICARE mm -hmm. in July. And then we had the um, resolution pass in, I've forgotten which month, sorry. <laughs> it's probably about a month ago now, right? Um, shortly after in July. 23rd July. Um, yeah. yeah. And behind closed doors, there are a lot of negotiations going on with all the different country representatives. But I think the most important part was there was not negotiation on was I care important or should yes. I care be here? It was more on, you know, how it's worded and how it fits within healthcare and, you know, making sure that to make impact, but not, not the argument of should we be dealing with I care or not? That wasn't the negotiation. And so I think that's really, you know, shows a high level of support um, across the the countries and the institutions that the UN um, supports. I think that's fantastic. And another thing, like, you know, I keep coming back to pandemic and the time that we all have spent in front of screens, whether studying or doing webinars and things, I, I feel there will be, it, I don't think anybody will question, are my eyes important? Like you're literally straining your eyes eight to 10 hours a day in front of a screen. So I am I'm glad that, you know, people uh, resonates with that and, you know, agree the importance of vision care and eye care. Of course, I, I strongly feel it should not need a pandemic for a realization, but at least, you know, that's some good thing that's coming out of, uh, of this whole situation. But talking about one side, uh, Jimmy, do you have any insights on that in terms of the process? What's how did you know they help or they supported in this uh, resolution? So uh, one side is very happy to be a part of it. Um, our expertise is is the um, thirty years of experience that we have in charitable clinics, which are the short term clinics where we take everything in, have a big impact, and then we leave. Mm -hmm. um, but what's becoming more and more important is this, is these sustainable clinics, um, and we have built oh gosh. 
how many, 195 sustainable wow. clinics, um, mostly in Africa. So Rwanda, the Gambia and Zambia, mm-hmm. um, which is, is they're spread out. Uh, they're associated with hospitals typically, and they're spread out throughout the countries for affordable eye care. One site um, backs them and we uh, take teams from the United States and Canada and some other parts of the world. We go in and we provide some kind of end of end point training. They're all trained, but they just need some support and some cheerleading mm-hmm. and some, some last minute training. Um, and we've been very successful in launching these clinics that have been around for years now. They offer access to people who, for repeat eye care, for first time eye care, for repeat eye care. And so I think the expertise that one side's bringing to this is examples of how it already works. Um, during the pandemic, we've we've learned um, better ways, new ways mm-hmm. to, to make this happen and to, to continue to improve upon those clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's very exciting that vision is being recognized as, as part of, um, you know, a level playing field for for everyone in the world. Right. You know, you have to have good vision to to do so many things. And so it's very exciting that, that that's finally recognized. Yeah, absolutely. I have to go back to an image which was posted by IABB. And I actually saw that image because uh, Judy, you posted on LinkedIn where you know it was highlighted at Times Square. And that's exciting to you yeah. know, see vision care right at the place where you know, you know thousands of people are going to watch it. So when we talk about vision care, we all agreed on it, but were there any major hurdles in the process? Anything that you can point out or highlight, which you know, pushed it back and forth? I mean, from my perspective, I think the biggest hurdle was getting, just like Dr. Jude was saying, getting vision, the, the importance of vision to the playing field without having to spend all the energy arguing that it is in fact that so I think the biggest hurdle is that when we've cleared that hurdle now it it is a part of the conversation it's not a conversation about should it be Mm. it it is so that's a big hurdle that I think was overcome wonderful what about you I agree and I think um you know I I wasn't at the cold face with my colleagues were but from you know from everything that you could see it's it's a really fantastic example of great um, advocacy from a sector uh, coming together. It was, it was a gradual process. It was a good vision, had strong planning, a very strong coalition that people kept wanting to join, not, not separate from. <laughs> um, incredible champions and um, expertise in delivering resolutions at a UN. And so, you know, I struggled to find hurdles <laughs> in, in the process. I think, um, you know, there was just so much goodwill and, uh, you know, if there was anything that was a little bit tricky was navigating the space with the pandemic. And, you know, at the beginning of last year, we were unsure that a resolution would even be tabled because there were kind of other Mm -hmm. health issues that were more at front of mind, but that didn't translate. Um, Mm -hmm. it, It wasn't, it was different to what was expected because of the virtual nature of it, but it wasn't a didn't end up being a hurdle and it was full systems ahead, um, which I think is really, and I think something that is really possibly underestimated is the power um, that Ambassador Aubrey Webson brings to the, um, to the whole Friends of Vision and, you know, starting it, it was him who started it. Um, and, you know, he's the first person with vision loss to, be a permanent representative at the UN, the first ever. Mm-hmm. This is in, I don't know which year he started, but it's the last couple of years. Um, 
and to have such a vision visual statement literally mm-hmm. where people realize that it's missing yeah you know it's missing because there are plenty of people in this world that are vision impaired or blind and can be at that kind of level but it had never even been facilitated there and I think that in itself that symbol is really strong and important to overcoming a lot of hurdles in people's mindset that's that's wonderful I think mindset is I think could be one of the major hurdles but I'm happy to know that we were able to achieve this a huge feat in as a profession uh, but without any major hurdles everybody were working towards it that's that's rare but that's amazing to even hear about it uh Now, talking about this, you know, when we talk about uh, the participation or the adoption, you mentioned that there are 193 countries who have signed up and adopted this resolution that we are going to work towards providing vision care uh, to all. Now, as a practicing optometrist, like I know Dr. Jamie, you know, she goes out, she goes to one side clinic, she does all those things. You are working in advocacy. Uh, how can each optometrist or practicing optometrist from your perspective can contribute towards this initiative we all want to achieve it but like what can i do as an individual you want me to take that first <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, i think it's really really important to um recognize that we all do need to contribute mm-hmm. i think it's really also really important to recognize what your um niche is because not everyone wants to travel the world not everyone wants to or can or wants to leave home leave their practice um there's different comfort levels of, of all kinds of help and so i think you need to recognize what your forte is mm-hmm. and then push yourself to do it if it's within your own community research the needs in your community every community has needs whether it's your town, whether it's your city, whether it's your state or your region. Um, I think it's really important to, to look for opportunities right near home. Um, we don't want to overlook that. Uh, I think it's amazing. My love is, is going, whether it's in the United States or around the world, to places that are just so underserved. Um, one side is always looking for doctors to help out. Um, there's, there's a lot of volunteers there are just not enough doctors um, and it's difficult to step away. So um, if that's something of interest, I, I challenge everyone to look up one side mm-hmm. and, and, or one side or another organization and try to get involved because we're needed and the work, we need the volunteers, but we really need doctors. Mm-hmm. And so look for the opportunity that, that fits um, your, your gifts and your abilities and go for it. Absolutely. And I think together we can, you know, everything is possible. Go ahead, Absolutely. Dr. Jesus. What's your take on this? I agree with a lot of what Jamie said, you know, especially about finding the thing that resonates with you and what you can do where you are anytime, um, as well as the extra that you would throw on top of that. But I, I guess uh, in terms of the resolution, I would encourage people to have a look at what it means and what it is. Um, you can find it through Uh, definitely easily through the IPB website. I'm sure there are lots of other places through the UN and the WHO resolutions that were also passed last year and the year before. Um, but have a look. The vision is linked, uh, vision and eye health is linked into um, SDG4 in quality education. Um, you know, I think for most optometrists, it's a no-brainer. If you don't can't see, you can't, you know, achieve your full learning potential. But bringing that Being able to articulate that well in your local schools or to parents groups or whatever, you know, it gives you a lot of new material statistics that you can quote. 
um, SDG 8 around decent work, uh, tapping into businesses to provide eye health friendly environments, making sure that you know people are, have access to reading glasses when they need them, uh, vision screening as we get older, make sure we have healthy aging and prevent mm -hmm. the diseases that we need to for that. Um, and you know, being able to pitch that maybe to a broader audience in relation to the economic cost of lost productivity from vision loss, you know, mm -hmm. and 90% of vision loss is avoidable. Right. Um, there's you know, big numbers on that that you can take with you if you need to uh, need to um, advocate or try and connect in with local you know, groups. Uh, SDG 5 on gender equality, there are women and girls feel the burden of vision loss uh, more than men yeah. and boys. Check your, look at your day-to-day -day appointments. Are you seeing 50-50? Are you seeing, do you need to be seeing 50-50? Does it need to be 60-40 because of the burden? Does it, like, think about it. You've all got great analytical skills. <laughs> think about it. Think about the population's that you're not seeing, which right. just reduce inequalities. Think about where you live. Um, are there people that can't access the services, can't afford the services, um, don't want to take charity and just take the one pair of frames that you set aside for charity services? You know, think about, put them at the centre and think about how you can put strategies in place or it may not be you, how you can link to others in your area mm -hmm. that can put strategies in place for these people. Um, we're all people. And, you know, how can how can you do that? And all the environments that we live in are really different on this. Some governments will support some of these initiatives. Some will not. Some have private health insurance systems that can help. Some do not. So, you know, it really does depend on your context, but there is something that you can do. And, you know, particularly SDG3, health and well-being, mm -hmm. we know that people with vision loss are more likely to die. <laughs> I mean, frankly, like when I started in optometry, I never thought that was possible. But, you know, making sure that you use the skills that you have and the knowledge you have to make people aware that there's ways to avoid vision loss and to um, address vision loss mm -hmm. so that they can live and unlock their full potential, I think, um, you know, something I'd encourage everybody to do. And, you know, if you want to get started with any of that, uh, IAPB does have resources on the website. We have a series called Advocacy to Action, which you're welcome to join on the web or watch the recordings at any time. The Vision Atlas has a lot of the statistics and the links that I'm talking about. So you can have a look. And the whole idea is to have a look at what's there globally and tailor that to your local environment. There are also country dashboards, which can give you an idea. Um, but also get involved with your local optometry associations, eye care associations, groups that are working, um, you know, from a little bit of a distance with that public health lens. So. I love your points about, um, you know, even if it's not doctoring yeah. that you're, uh, that you're, that you want to contribute. I mean, if you're a great public speaker, speak mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. If you, um, if you're a great grant writer, write grants, you know, I mean, I love that your, your point is, is well taken that it's not just checking somebody's eyes and giving them glasses. Yeah. That's a huge part, but there's so many things. So if we can all pool our resources and our talents, it's endless possibilities. Yeah. Another yeah. one thing which, you know, I have seen lately is using, using social media just to kind of create awareness because there are so many options and, you know, charitable organizations that might give you glasses or frames. But as you rightly mentioned, right? Like females have more burden to wear glasses. 
and you know there's stigma around wearing glasses people consider that you are defective just just simple refractive error that can make you see 2020 people don't like wearing it so can you create more awareness can you burst those myths around or stigmas around wearing glasses you can even do that you really don't have to step out of your clinic you continue doing what you're doing but just create that awareness in educating people that hey this is helping you work better this is not you know hindering your progress or this is not going to create some kind of defect in your process this is going to be the solution to your problem and I, I urge people to think broadly around that and their communities and who else need it's one thing to tell someone who might not wear glasses because they feel that it affects their and seriously this is true it affects their chances of marriage yes. or you know whatever it is you know, if you're in that kind of community, how can you reach out to a broader audience to, you can't tell that one person it's okay because it won't be when they go home. So, you know, how can we work together with communities to sort of, you know, try and address this? Um, there's just one other thing I should have said just to join is the World Sight Day um, campaigns this year are going to be bigger than ever. And um, a lot of what you say about social media and sharing and, um being able to have sort of that sort of more collective impact, I urge people to join up, pledge, pledge some, um, pledge to have your eyes uh, look after, sorry, love your eyes is the thing, yeah. pledge to love your eyes or pledge to love your patient's eyes. You can pledge eye tests for your clinic as well. We, you know, our aim is to get a million eye tests done in one month. Mm -hmm. um, but more broadly than that is to have, make the awareness and make sure that people come in and get their eyes checked yeah. um, you know, yeah. so please join that was actually going to be my next question to talk about like can you tell me about the hashtag love your eyes but you already addressed it so yes <laughs> I would encourage everyone to you know pledge and be part of this initiative social media definitely has a lot of power even if you're not on any social media platform just join in to create that awareness put it in your you know email signature if you don't want to you know log into your facebook or instagram or something just a way to spread the awareness about love your eyes and i encourage all of us to get eye tested as well because that's something where you know you keep testing other people's eye but you might ignore your own eye care so that's another thing i always like to highlight and point out like get your eye tested as well definitely <laughs> Wonderful. Now, uh, we did talk a lot about the resolution and the entire process. Uh, thank you, both of you, for you know, sharing those insights. Now, I want to go into a fun segment. Uh, we usually do have a rapid fire, but this time we're going to do and play a different game, which I know you both would be aware about. It is never have I ever. All you have to say is, have you ever done it or not? Okay, it's going to be very simple. <laughs> This sounds incriminating. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to just uh, read out the question out loud and you just have to say yes, you have or not. Okay, it's very simple. We all have uh, encountered this game. So are you both ready? Yes. Sure. Wonderful. So never have I ever sang in public. I have. <laughs> Me too. I have not. <laughs> I'm a bathroom singer, but I think still I've done it. So <laughs> wonderful. Never have I ever played a musical instrument. I have. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. All right. Never mm -hmm. have I ever tried a fad diet. The keto war I don't know. I, uh, you have? 
Haven't we all? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I have. Don't <laughs> <laughs> talk about it. We let it. We let it fly. <laughs> all right. Never have I ever binge watched a series. I have. I have. Thank you, COVID. Thank you, COVID. Yeah, I was gonna say this last year. <laughs> all right. Never have I ever slept in my car. I have done that too. Me too. <laughs> I can't think of it, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it doesn't come to mind. <laughs> not any time recently, has it? <laughs> same, same. <laughs> All right. Never have I ever eaten an entire pizza alone. I have not done that. I have not done that either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Never have I ever spread a rumor I knew wasn't true. No. Not as an adult, no. <laughs> I, 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 I like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, last one. Never have I ever a uh, prank called someone. Not as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say that too. Not as an adult. <laughs> so we take it. Yes, we all have done that. Yeah, we don't have to mention that. All right, wonderful. And that that was it. That was a fun game. I hope you enjoyed it. And before we end this uh, podcast, can you give me like your one takeaway message? Uh, Jimmy, you can go first, like one takeaway message for all my listeners. I guess my one takeaway is let's take advantage of this platform that we have, this, this amazing new opportunity to make a difference, um, bringing equality and opportunity to people who wouldn't have it if, they, if, if we weren't there to help them have either regain their vision or gain their vision for the first time. Uh, it's our it's our opportunity and it's our obligation. I mean, that's that's what we signed up for. We need to take care of each other. Um, one quick story that I, I listened to your podcast that you, the two of you did recently, and um, Dr. Jude, you had talked about your friend who went to Malawi, and there was a school for the blind, and the majority of the kids there were not actually blind. Mm-hmm. I was in Mexico uh, about three years ago, and two blind men came in. Um, had lived had lived in a house a home for the blind their entire lives and they were adult men and they came in and their refractive error was minus 14 for one of them and minus 16 for the other and they had been living (laughs) as blind people and so you know you can't suddenly put those lenses on a person and expect their brain to understand what's happening Mm -hmm. so we gave them like a minus five or a minus six And I mean, I just sat and watched and they looked around and they just, it wasn't jumping for joy because it was just so shocking, but they slowly started to warm up to it. They were looking at their hand. They were looking, you know, at things in the, in the shifted out world that they could see suddenly. And so eventually they did get glasses with their full strength, but it was so interesting to hear you to speak about the exact same circumstance that I had experienced. And I mean, we have to bring vision to these people who have absolutely no reason to not be able to live life sighted mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely yeah. absolutely wow. your one takeaway message is um yeah <laughs> so, that was so powerful i guess my 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 one takeaway message on top of jamie's is get involved step out of your comfort zone um you know you have so much to offer you are more than more than the daily 
everyday practice that you're doing and you know do just one other thing that makes could make such a massive difference in someone else's life um you know you have so much to offer and you step out of your comfort zone you never know what you're going to find like jamie just said um you probably find that it brings you more joy than you realize (laughs) absolutely absolutely and with that i would like to thank both of you for your time for walking us through the journey telling us how we all can contribute adding a little more understanding about this resolution. And I hope everyone is excited and looking forward to contribute to the World Side Day. Please use the hashtag, love your eyes, get your eyes tested, get involved, take care of yourself and the eyes of everyone around you. And uh, thank you once again for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Thank you.